Radio. My name is Matt West, and tonight I'm joined by the biggest, the fattest, the drunkest on the mall, our good pal BFD. How are you doing, Simon? man? I, well, I'm just sitting here wishing that I had the, uh, like, just like half of the Texans cap salary amount would be really nice. I could just retire, stop doing these 100-hour weeks I've been doing. That would be cool. Yeah, I would, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I would do with that much money. I don't want to do this, like, if you and the lottery go to a juice store game, but yeah, I mean, I would just buy like a four wheel drive car and then just backpack until I die. And then that's just be it. <laughs> just backpack and sit at dive bars for like 12 hours at a time, then backpack for two weeks and then go to a dive bar for 12 hours and just go all the way across the country, chase the, chase the sun. Wow. I think my, my dreams would be a little bit loftier than that. <laughs> Oh, these are the loftiest dreams you could have. The only bad thing is, like, you couldn't even write a book about it because there'd be no suffering in it. So you, it really wouldn't be that interesting. It would just be a very a very polite, very nice way to live. Very polite. I like that. Yeah. Well, did you did you know that being alive is actually very beautiful and very nice? I love how the way this, this sense looks on italics, too, by the way. And we are, all, we are all very lucky to currently be alive right now instead of being dead. Or never born at all. Did you know that? It's, it's mostly a good thing, yeah. Yeah, I think being, being alive is good again. Uh, after getting away from the computer and the internet and the blogging and uh, the this and that and going to the desert, I realized that, yeah, like being alive is good. I like it. I'm for being alive. I'm pro being alive again. And uh, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to post. I'm ready to post and, and talk about the Texans preview. Yeah, and... Uh... You know, you you were just uh, at uh, Big Bend, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, so uh, the wife and I were talking about we're going to maybe head that way in mid-March, so that'll be nice. So looking forward to that. Ooh, yeah, just don't go spring break because I heard it's a hellhole. Like, everything's filled up, and it's just, it's just a mess. But you can go, like, the week before spring break, the week after spring break. I then go back in two weeks because they had a ton of rain this winter, there's like spring creeks flowing. I've never oh, wow. seen it so green before in my entire life. Yeah, like I took a nap next to a creek for two hours that was flowing. I uh, like through the middle of the desert, you know, and uh, like it was a, a very it's something that I've never seen before over there. So yeah, if you if you're wanting to go to Big Bend, now's the time to go. Just don't go spring break. And then even if you go like the first week of April, it may already be 100 degrees out there. <laughs> it's kind of the beauty of the place, you know. Right. It's like we, the day we had last week, right? It was 88 one day. It was 35 the next. Yeah. Yeah. That's Saturday. That's Sunday, Monday switch. Like my face is peeling right now. Like I'm tan. I'm hot again. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so all right, well, let's, let's get on with it. So would you have cut my first question for you is very simple. Would you have cut Demarius Thomas or would you have paid him $14 million a season to remain on the roster? Yeah, do we really have to play that question? <laughs> I, I don't know if he plays football in 2019. That's the sad part. 
He wants to. He says he wants to play. It's just a question of where. But I'm sure like he'll get like a $700 salary at least. You know, guys get hurt. He's yeah. dependable. I think he's fine as like a, a fourth veteran wide receiver. That's that's what he should be at this point of his career. Yes. Yeah, and I don't think he. I don't think he questions that. He just wants to keep playing. Is it? And I forgot to mention. So what we're we doing for night's show? I'm just so excited to do this. Uh, we're going to go through the entire Texans offseason. And we'll talk a little bit about what we think Houston would, we do, would do. Also, what we would do if we were Brian Gane. I already uh, put on my Brian Gane skin suit earlier today and wrote a post about it. And now we'll hear about it. I took, my, I took it off and put on BFD. So now he has his Brian Gaines uh, skin suit. So we'll go through okay. the offseason just like this for the, for the rest of the episode. So now after releasing Demarius Thomas, he would have it would have been a $14 million cap hit, which is kind of a simple decision. Um, SpotRack said there's kind of two websites you get to for cap information. It's SpotRack and Over the Cap. I think I'm saying that right. Or SpotRack. I always say SpotRack. And they said they cleared $12.8 million in space by releasing Thomas. So I'll go with that. So Houston now has $78 million in cap space as of right now because they also released Demarius Thomas. Uh, who else should they release? And the, the possibilities I have, or like the possibilities that really kind of stick out are Kevin Johnson at $9 million, Whitney Merciless at $6.25 million, Lamar Miller at $6.2 million, and Ryan Griffin at $2.68 million. Uh, which, who would you release out of these four players? And is there anybody I'm not showing here that you would also like to get rid of? Um, well, Alfred Blue is gone, so that's, that's a plus for me. The hard decision for me on this one uh, is Kevin Johnson. And it's, it's because you just don't know what you're going to get from him. I, you know, he has the concussion history. He's got the soft tissue history issues now. I just don't know what can you expect from Kevin Johnson. Is there any chance that he gets better? And if you think the answer to that is yes, then great. Uh, not seeing him in practice, not seeing him be able to play this year, I would probably cut him. But there's, I, I'm just saying there's a solid chance that Somebody knows more than I do that he's going to be able to come back and be better. I don't see it happening. Uh, so I would probably cut him. That clears up another, another $9 million. And let's be honest, we've already got $78 million. It's not like we're broke. So, you know, we're kind of shaving around the edges here. Whitney Merciless, I absolutely think we have to keep him. And there's no way in heck I cut Lamar Miller. Ryan Griffin, I would cut him and then fire him into the sun. Okay. Yeah, so... So Whitney Merciless, uh, let's talk about him first. Because I know, like, last year they went to more of a 4-3 defense. He was playing, you know, the same outside linebacker role with McKinney on the inside and then cutting him as the weak side linebacker. And he just never really fit there at all. What made him such a great uh, run defender was that he would just punch the outside shoulder of the tight end sit, and he wouldn't go anywhere. And he would completely just set the edge. Nobody would get around him. And he would, you know, close off the C-gap and – allow Christian Covington over next to him and make some tackles and that sort of thing. And then we talked about so much last season, so, so much about how they were misusing him as a pass rusher, where he was being a wide nine, he was being a wide seven, he was being more of a jet rusher, and he's never been a speed rush guy. He's always been an outside shoulder punch, a rip guy, you've been around the corner, long arm extensions, those sort of things. More like in space, physical, hand fighting sort of pass rush moves, not the not the Vaughn Miller sort of speed rushing thing. And Houston used them in an entirely different way last year, uh, both in the run game and both in the pass game uh, compared to what he's good at doing. And so do you think, like I want Winnie Merciless to say, I think for what his salary is for this year, he's completely reasonably worth keeping here as the outside linebacker. 
but just how Houston's used him last year, do you think they'll continue to try and run that same 4-3 defense? Are you expecting anything better at all for his usage and how they want to use him in 2019? Uh, are, you, are you factoring that portion into this at all? Not really, because I, I'm hoping that they go back and watch the tape during this offseason. Because you know what? We can be doing things a lot different. Instead of lining up J.J. White, uh, J.J. Watt in the wide nine, why don't we bring him inside? Why don't we let Merciless, a guy who's better made for the speed rush at this point of his career, do that? Um, you know, we've talked repeatedly on, on the cast about how the usage of some of our defensive players has been frustrating. And for such a smart guy like Romeo Cornell to do it, is, it makes it like doubly frustrating, right? So I would like to see major changes made to the way that we use several of our, of our uh, defensive players. Yeah, uh, and so that's why I'm kind of merciless right now. Though, I don't know what they're going to do next year. Uh, from the standpoint they did last year, I think he'd be worth cutting or trading. I would try to trade him. I think you could trade him, try to get somebody who's maybe as a captain of $13 million, $14 million. You save that $6.25 million by trading him. Then you eat on you know, $8 million in salary. Maybe you give him a third-round pick or whatever. Uh, but I think there's a lot of trade opportunities that you can give him, Merciless, especially for a team that's going to run a 3-4. You know, both the New York teams do that. Green Bay, I think, would be a really good example of where he could go. Uh, Baltimore, you know, they may not keep Terrell Suggs. They always love having, you know, big, strong front seven players. Uh, these are all kind of opportunities that maybe Houston could try to switch them over for and take on a guy like, you know, Brandon Carr, who has a cap of $10 million, you know, and, uh, and kind of mitigate some of that too. So it's, there's, there's ideas there for uh, trade possibilities for Merciless. Yeah, there are. And somebody would give up. I mean, somebody would be happy to take on a player of that relevance with that sort of cap hit pretty quickly too. I mean, you got to think on the trade market, he would be valuable for that. Yeah, and, even, and they may even be able to get like a second-round pick or a third-round pick album as well. I think they could probably get a second. Uh, you know, he's 30, but his cap, it's not that much. And just people are trying to find rushers, and it's hard to find edge rushers, especially a team like Los Angeles. I don't know if Los Angeles even has a second-round pick, but those sorts of teams that are playoff teams who, you know, are probably going to value young talent as much as others, I think there, there's opportunities there as well too. Yeah, agree. So I would also cut Kevin Johnson. I mean, like, yeah, like he could be better, but it's impossible not to be better when you're like 142nd success rate who can't tackle because you can't use your head at all whatsoever and uh, it just chases all the time and doesn't have that same burst. So I would cut him. Uh, Ryan Griffin, I would, I would cut. There's some questions about, like, well, he's a good, you know, I saw some comments that you know, saying that he's a good veteran presence there. Yeah, but he's the worst tight end in football. And so like, you could teach me the playbook. Like I could learn the playbook probably in about you know, three weeks or whatever if I'm spending every day there. Uh, that doesn't mean that I should be a tight end for the Houston Texans, you know, just because I'm a, I'm a good veteran presence and, and leader. But yeah, Griffin's really bad. And then Lamar Miller, I wrote today that I would cut him uh, just because he doesn't break enough tackles. His tackle break, uh, broken rate is only 10.2%. Houston struggle gets to the second level. With $6.2 million, you can leverage that money into getting like a top offensive guard in this year's free agency class. That's also like a competent cornerback potentially for 6.2 million. Like I know Houston has the space. I think the resource to be better used elsewhere. And so I'm, I, a lot of this also kind of depends on Deontay Foreman. If Foreman's healthy, I'd be okay with uh, cutting Miller, drafting, you know, running back in the fourth round and then grabbing a veteran like TJ Yeldon. I like Yeldon. No, a lot of people don't. I think Yeldon's a lot like Miller, but just cheaper. I think uh, Yeldon was in a bad situation in Jacksonville, where he's playing for an offense that was more of a power running scheme, not an outside zone scheme. 
and one that didn't use the strengths all that well. So that's what I would kind of do here. I would try to merciless, and I would cut the rest of these guys. Yeah, I, I really disagree with Miller. I would love to see Miller. I still think he's he should have been one of the best free agent signings in the franchise's history, and I just think he has been used so horribly. I still think he's got a lot of talent. What's going to suck is if we do cut him, he's going to go somewhere, and he's going to put up five yards of rush, and he's going to put up ten yards of catch, and I'm going to be pissed off about it because it would just show how badly he was wasted here. They wanted him to put on weight and become an inside power running back, and it was just a complete waste of talent. Use him the right way. For crikey's sake, and it, that $6.2 million is going to look like a nothing burger with Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell, who's reportedly at like 260 pounds, is looking for $14 million a year. Do you think that's real? Like, do you think he actually weighs that much? He, look, the only reason I would say yes to that is because he has had a habit of getting out of shape. And he also, he also smokes a lot of weed, too, or at least oh. has in the past. Yeah. So... I I can buy that, but you know I wonder if it's also somebody out there trying to sabotage the market for him, right? So yeah, I just want to see Lamar Miller use the right way. I ran about this all the time. He should have been a fantastic addition to this team. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with that. Like all like me saying I want I don't want to keep Lamar Miller. I would come for six million dollars. Just mainly just because Houston hasn't used him correctly, and so they don't block the second level well. Uh, they haven't. They don't know what they are as far as the run scheme goes. They change so often. Uh, they don't know what they want to do in offense a lot of time. Unless they have some grandmaster plans to use the outside zone, use them as they should. Yeah, I would say keep Lamar Miller for six point two million dollars. That's not bad. That's not a bad. That's not enough money to say. But then they had to pay him, you know, eight million dollars this year since cap hit. Um, that's not a bad situation to be in for a guy who can get three hundred carries. But again, it's like, why pay that much money for somebody who's going to average? 4.1 yards in attempt, who who's doesn't break a lot of tackles, isn't crane enough on his own, and he's playing behind an offensive line that isn't, isn't blocking the second level. And so you want a guy who can run through the first level and through arms that you know, outstretch across the line of scrimmage. And so I, I love Lamar Miller. I love his talent. I love his skill set. I just hate the way Houston's used him. And I don't see that changing just in 2019 out of nowhere, you know. If I, if I knew what they were doing, if I knew what Bill O'Brien was up to, he said, yeah, so we're just like, great. We can keep on making work. But uh, based off, off the last three years, I would say he, the, the money that they could get by releasing him would be better used elsewhere. Yeah, and that's a, that's a very valid argument. If it's going to be the same Shiza, then why do it again? I can't argue with that. But, you know, you look at the season Lamar Miller had, and he put up, what, 4.6 yards of carry this year, and even if you take out the uh, the big run that he had. So he's still not bad. He could just be about a lot better. Yeah, well, in those numbers, so he averaged 4.6. You remove that run, and it drops to 4.2, uh, which is still good. You know, he was 27th in DYAR and 27th in DVOA. Uh, but, like, it's not – it's fine. You know, he only broke he only broke tackles on 10.2% of his runs. I would love, 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 though, to see Lamar Miller play for Los Angeles next year as their backup running back. Like, he would be so good in L.A. God, he would be like so the, good. The Chargers, L.A.? No, the Rams. I still call it the Chargers San Diego. Okay. I get all – I'm starting to get confused now. This is yeah. becoming Char- like ball. <laughs> yeah, I know. The Chargers are San Diego. The Rams are Los Angeles just because I hate the city of St. Louis. I don't think I'll ever step foot in there at all, but – no. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. So I know whatever I wrote about today, if you cut Johnson, if you trade Merciless, if you cut Miller, if you cut Griffin, that leaves you about like $96 million in cap space. And I know the team with the most cap space this year is the Indianapolis Colts. 
Um, how worried are you about what they could possibly do this offseason? Well, fortunately, there's not a lot out there to do a lot of damage with. So that's the good news. The bad news is whatever pickings, you know, are out there, they're going to pretty much have top priority on. I mean, if you can imagine them bringing in guys like, you know, guys who are going to be big ticket guys, and I'm talking like Frank Clark would be one of them. Trey Flowers would be one of them. You can see where they're going to have pretty substantial upgrades at some of those positions that they, they need upgrades on. So from that perspective, they're, they're a little bit more scary. Yeah. Yeah. So they have $107 million. The Jets have 102. Cleveland has 79. Buffalo has 79. Houston has 77. The Raiders have 71. San Francisco has 65. Seattle has 51. Cincinnati is 50. Dallas is 47. The Titans have 41. I think the Titans could save $10 million if they count Logan Ryan. And the Carlos have $41 million. And so that's kind of like how the top 10 teams work out this year. Yeah, that's a boatload of money too. There's going to be a lot of competition. There are going to be there's going to be some really mediocre football players that are going to make a lot of money this offseason. Oh, it's like that every year. Like I'll never forget Kobe Fleener signed like a three year, thirty million dollar deal with the Saints. Like, yeah, it's it's going to be bad. Like, don't do that. Uh, yeah, that's my or Chris Ivory was my one of my favorite ones too. Like my, oh, yeah. my favorite thing to write, I think every year is just like the worst free agent deals because you know what they look like. They look the same way every year. It's like, yeah, here's a backup running back who's 28 years old and he gets uh, $7 million a year. It's not going to work. It's going to be bad. Yeah, and that's a great example. Yeah, the Chris Ivory, good, good, goodness gracious. And then you drafted uh, Leonard Fournette, what, the year after? <laughs> I think it was two years after, but they had to. Year, yeah. was, and Ivory wasn't even a good goal line running back either. It's like, yeah, we need red zone back, but he's like, oh, he has two touchdowns from inside the five-yard line the last three seasons. Good. <laughs> I'm glad you're giving him $7 million. Right. Yeah, let's pile on Jacksonville while we can because they're probably going to be good this year. Uh, so, trades. is there any trades you make? Would you open up the Patrick Peterson talks again? Is there anybody else out there that you like for Houston possibly trading? And they can even do that sort of thing, too, where they trade, you know, a second-round pick. They take on $13 million in cap space uh, where they're just pretty much just trading draft picks in exchange for, you know, taking on these big, fat contracts or teams are trying to shed space because there's a lot of teams out there who are like, $2 million in space, like Jacksonville. Philadelphia doesn't have a lot. The Giants don't have a lot. Uh, the Dolphins don't have a lot. There's a lot of opportunities there for teams who are already kind of up against the cap. Hey, Big Matt, did you know that it was a really poor decision to not sign A.J. Boye? It's franchise tag. AJ franchise, Boye. yeah, that's, that's it's right. not sign him, it's franchise tag him. Did you know that was a bad decision? I mean, I only, like, wrote it and then wrote it and tweeted <laughs> it. I think I, I think I tweeted it at least 45 times, you know, just to make sure everybody understands that this is one of the dumbest things the team has ever done. And even me saying that in 2015 or 2016, uh, I didn't really realize how dumb it was going to be even now. Like, the ramifications that came from it have just been, you know, absurd. So when you talk about trades, really the, the guy who comes front and center and the guy who I – for lack of a better word, fantasize about is Patrick Peterson. Because I would love to see Peterson come on over, put him on an island like he likes, instead of you know playing zone defense. And you know that's what we're going to do. Even if we traded for him, we put him in damn zone. But put him on an island and let him do his thing, which is shut down the other team's best wide receiver. I don't. There aren't a whole lot of guys who number one are going to be that kind of available because you know I'm talking very specifically about cornerbacks, but. Cardinals ain't going anywhere next year. 
Peterson's got a heck of a salary to him. And nobody else, I mean, who else is going to give up a good cornerback and it's not competitive? So th- there are only a couple of guys you can go out and say, hey, we can go get him. But Patrick Peterson is number one. Go get him. I would just, I would throw in, you know, I would re-sign Brock Osweiler and throw him in the trade just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that Peterson is a cap at this year's $11.8 million, which really is a whole lot when we consider – that Jermaine Johnson's gonna have like a cap of seventeen million this year. <laughs> Norris Jenkins gonna have a cap of like sixteen million this year. Uh, and Arizona would save ten point six million dollars if they were to trade Peterson. And then with Arizona too, like if Josh Rosen's your quarterback, this is a guy who has been in the pocket. He needs time to learn how to process the game. You can't put him behind the one of the worst pass block elements lines in football. It's different. You have Deshaun Watson back there than we have Josh Rosen back there. And so yeah, I think like trading Peterson getting a second-round pick, getting two second-round picks, uh, shedding the cap space, be able to go out and improve the offensive line. And then it's a better use of your resources and keeping them there. Like, I'm sure, like, you know, they, they're they kind of weird, too, where they have a bunch of young guys in their defense as well, or they can, like, use the veteran leadership and use that guy, you know, being there. But, you know, I don't think that's worth the, the opportunity that you have in upgrading the offensive line if you were to trade Peterson. But, yeah, that's something that I would re- revisit 100%. Because the two holes in this team are still the same as last year's offensive line, which I think is better than what people give it credit for still, and I, I know you do too, and the quarterback position. And so anything Houston can do to improve those two positions are things they have to explore. Yes, and, and again, let's reiterate, the Texans should be in a win-now mode. Like, absolutely, they should be going for it now. And that's, this is a move. You give up some future and make this move, make it happen. That's my argument. Yeah, and I know Luke wrote a really great point, wrote a really great post uh, three months ago. I think he's still alive. I don't know. Somebody needs to, like, you know, go visit him and make sure he's well, alive. Well, check visit. Oh, I'll go yeah. do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, but, yeah, he wrote a really great article just talking about that. You know, time to win is now with lots of his rookie contract. It's not like they're building for some sort of future. Like, this team is needs to win. The, the time to win a championship is now for Houston. And, uh, and, you know, taking that sort of frame or framing that, Texas offseason that in that sort of window, the best way to kind of look at it is that, yeah, trade two second-round picks, get Patrick Peterson, and make it an immense improvement on this defense so that whenever Wild Clay don't get there, you aren't going to give up a 15-yard pass or a first down uh, like it was last year. And just, God, I, if I swear to Durger, if I have to see another Sharice Wright-like type player in 2019, I'm just – there's not enough bleach. I mean, he was so bad. I mean, he was like king of the sluggo, right? <sighs> Frustrating. <laughs> yeah, he was really bad. He we he was very bad. Uh, also, so another guy I think would be interesting trade. Well, two players. I know, like, we'll talk about potential free agents as well, too. I kind of looked through everybody and uh, looked at all the team's caps situations and figure out who could be a potential salary guy. Uh, one of the guys that came with was Gerald McCoy. He used to can use interior rusher. The Bucs would save $13 million if they were to trade them. They only have, are you ready for it? Tim Bay Buccaneers only have $805,000 in cap space as of now. Holy was, cow. They would, they would save $10 million if they cut Deshaun Jackson. They would save $13 million if they cut Joe McCoy. Uh, maybe say cut Joe McCoy, they trade him. That could be an option for Houston too. Also, Jason Peters, the Philadelphia Eagles they have $805,000 in cap space also. Peters is due $10.5 million this year. Let me make sure I'm saying that exactly right because I have it written down. Why not waste? Why waste all this hard work that uh, 
all this, they would say, yeah, they would save $10.5 million if they were to cut or trade him. Maybe Houston trades a second round pick for Jason Peters. I, uh, you know, have him for a year, maybe two years, who knows, or have him until he gets hurt and they put uh, Julian Davenport there anyways. But that'd be another good possibility as well too. Just so that way you like, you ensure one position or like at least one tackle position is hundred percent solidified. And I think that would be a, a big improvement for the offensive line too. Those are two other players that I think would be uh, interesting trade targets. These also maybe guys that Houston could target in free agency, depending on, you know, what happens with both these teams. Because the Eagles do have Vitae, and the Buccaneers are just going to try to score, you know, 31 points a game to win games next year. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of trading for a guy like Jason Peters. But again, why would Philadelphia trade him? Because they're going to be in the hunt. So I, it's just a matter of what guys are going to be available. I, I think that Gerald McCoy is a much higher chance of getting somebody like him because Tampa Bay, I don't think Tampa Bay has got a chance to be in the playoffs. Maybe they'll trade him. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you never, you never, you can never say never this time of year. Uh, but I think with Bruce Arians in that vertical passing attack, I think it's perfect for uh, Jameis. Even if it doesn't work out and it's a failure, it's gonna be spectacular. And yeah, you know, oh man, it's gonna be like a you know every 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 beautiful air disaster I could say just would be in bad taste. So I won't say any of it. Yeah, and it'd be like it'd be like a Katy Perry song, it'd be fireworks in the sky. That's it. That's the first Katy Perry reference on the podcast. Well done. We need more of them. We need more. Mm-hmm, of them. Clearly, I miss. I miss cool saying Katy Perry. I miss two thousand nine, my favorite year of all time. <laughs> wow. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. So we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the free agents that the Houston Texans have. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. So Houston has 19 free agents. Do you want me to read every single one of them? Do you want to hear it? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So they have, they have Kareem Jackson, Jadavion Clowney, Tyron Matthew, Kayvon Webster, Angelo Blackson, Brandon Dunn, Josh Keyes, Kendall Lamb, Brennan Scarlett, Sharice Wright, Joe Webb, Brian Peters, Alfred Blue, Brandon Whedon, Christian Covington, Joel Heath, Kaimi Fairbairn, and DeAndre Carter. So let's start with uh, Genevieve Clowney. What would you do with him? Would you front load him, give him a four-year contract, $17 million a year or so, take advantage of Watson's rookie contract and pay him now, and then save some money towards the end as well too? Or would you franchise tag him and, and kind of mitigate the concerns of previous injury, uh, the previous injury history he's had, even though he's been healthy the last three years, uh, and I know like he didn't pre- participate in this year's training camp and was bad for the first three games of the season, but like, you know, he's been healthy. Like he's been out there and uh, he's been really spectacular the last three seasons. So what would you do to Dave Young Clowney? I don't know. You know, I'm so opinionated when it comes to this sort of thing. And um, I see great arguments for franchise, franchise tagging him. And that's why I initially lean, but I also see great arguments for saying, look, 
just don't even bother with the franchise tag. Sign them long term, front load the deal while you still got Watson on the Chiefs, and that's what you do with them. And he's still 26 years old, so it's not like that's it's that stupid of a decision to do that. So you know, I see good, solid arguments both ways. I think over the past 24 hours, I think I've started to lean more heavily towards giving them the contract and just getting it done because you know what? That's a great motivator. Franchise tagging guy has a tendency to anti-motivate. So, Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm in the camp of franchise tagging just because of Watt's contract. Well, you're going to pay Watt this year. Let's say Watt has another bad injury. Then you can release Watt, use that money to re-sign Clowney, which would be unbelievable that, you know, must ever happen. Either they're going to pay Watt even if he was like, yeah, I'm out for the entire year. I'm not going to play the next two years. They'd still probably pay him just because it's Watt. But I just don't think you can have that much injury risk tied to two positions and devote that much to your cap and devote you know, $30 million to two guys who could you know, be out for an extended period at any point in time. And that being said, like, those are the two most important players on your defense. And like two of the four most important players in your team at the same time. And like Clowney can't go anywhere. Like Clowney's the bridge from this version of the Houston Texans defense that was the best friend defense in the league uh, to you know, future great Houston Texans defense. Like he's that guy. He's that cornerstone. He's the type of player that you build around. And so like at the same time, like do you want to upset him? for you know the future. Uh you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but I lean the fact that, you know, with the injury risk of him and Watt at the same time, I really just franchise tag him. If he's really great this year, you're still paying for his prime next year at twenty seven to, you know, thirty one years old or whatever it would be. Right. Uh, do you think Clowney can get better? Because that's one of the other things I think has come up too. Where a lot of people think like this is it. Like Clowney is who he is right now. You know, it's you see guys improve as they've gone through the career. So, so what happens is, as an athlete, they normally peak at about 26, 27, and that's because there's a combination of two things. They're at their kind of their physical peak that's matching up with their mental peak. And so what happens is after about this age, they are smarter, but they're less, but they're worse athletes just because they're aging. And, of course, I, I believe that unless you play offensive line or interior defensive line, once you hit 30, or quarterback, of course, once you hit 30, you're pretty done. So he is pretty much at the point where he is going to be the best player he is, but he can get smarter and he's as much of a freak as he is physically. I still think that he has the ability to become a better football player because he is, I don't think he's going to age the same way that normal football players age. Yeah. And watching Clowney, I do think he's a, he recognizes things really well. Like I think this one of his things that he's kind of underrated doing like he's really good at reading the run play, knowing where the ball is going, you know, finding and chasing. Uh, but I think everything you're saying, though, really stands out in the pass game. And I think the biggest problem Clowney has is that whenever his first move is stopped as a pass rush, as a pass rusher, he doesn't know what to do after that. So, like, if he's like, yeah, I'm going to go with the swim, and he gets punched in the chest, and that's it. Like, he's not going to provide anything else for the entirety of the rush. And who knows what's going to happen to the quarterback. Maybe he can't find my open. Maybe he's going to run this direction or whatever. Like, Clowney's kind of done after that. And so I think in the pass rush department, there's a lot of things he can learn. There's a lot of things he can do there. And that's where he can get better. And so, like, I don't think he can be that much better run, of a run defender at all. I think he's the best run defense stop, stopping defensive end in football. I don't think there's that much of a difference between him and J.J. Watt at the moment either. Uh, Watt just got to get a lot of production. It's really bad backup right tackles. And that's the difference between their two seasons. And then with Clowney, too, like, I do think he, he has athleticism, he has the skill, he has the talent, he has the ability. I think he's just knowing what to do after that first rush to stop. 
and he can become an even better pass rusher, you know, this season and for the next, you know, three seasons, four seasons on top of that. Yeah, and how many defensive ends, how many defensive players, period, do you see come back from behind and make plays the way that Clowney does? I mean, he's he gets knocked, I guess, for having poor practice habits, and I, I can't speak to that because I'm not in on the practices. But when I see him on the field, I see a guy who is who is doing his best, but he just is still immature in facets of the game, like coming up with a set or, you know, doing something else after he gets his first move beat on the pass rush. But, the, dude, he works his butt off out there, and I enjoy watching him play from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, I've never understood that at all either. This whole Clowney's not a worker bee was what Peter King said in his article. And where, like, he takes plays off. Like, he's always chasing back on screen plays. He's chasing back on run plays. He's coming, like, 15 yards away from the ball to make plays. I haven't really ever seen him give up at all. The only time I've ever seen him, like, weird, where I'm like, what is he, what is he doing was that uh, playoff loss to Indianapolis last year. And I do think he was concussed. Like, he couldn't read the run play. He didn't know where he was. He looked off. He had that same athleticism. And I think he was concussed or, or you know, had the wind knocked out or something along those lines. That's the only time I've ever seen him where I really didn't think he had any idea at all what he was doing on the field. I think he's a much smarter player than he gets credit for. No, I am going to go with the concussion because as somebody who knows about concussions, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, it was it was weird watching all 22 of it. It just it wasn't him. Uh, it was something else. It was something else. It was, it was like a shadow version of Clowney. Yeah. Yeah, the, the heartless version. If you're, uh, <laughs> if your if your son's playing Kingdom Hearts right now, <laughs> oh my god! I oh, know he's not playing that one. I don't know what he's playing right now. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's for the uh, So the next thing I want to talk about is Kareem Jackson. Kareem Jackson moved from cornerback to strong to strong safety. Something we've been hollering about for years. And like on the side, there's a lot of comments like. Maybe turn, there's a lot of jokes about it. It's like, yeah, maybe they should move him to strong safety, you know, two years ago or whatever. You're just t- kind of tired of hearing about it when people shout about it. But it worked. He should have done it a long time ago because one thing Kareem Jackson doesn't do well is play man coverage. He's a, a great blitzer. He's a great run tackler. He's great recognizing plays. He's great stopping screen passes. All things that are really good to be able to do whenever you're playing a lot of strong uh, safety in shallow zones. And then cornerback injuries happen. He had to play cornerback again. He finished 92nd in uh, football outsiders uh, success rate. So Kareem Jackson, would you keep him or would you keep the very mediocre Tyron Matthew who signed a one-year deal who's pretty good at a bunch of different things. He's an all right tackler. He's all right in coverage, but he can get picked on. Uh, he wants to make big plays, but he never makes big plays. Uh, would you pick both? Would you keep both of them? What would you do at the safety position between these two guys? Well, you know, now that your two cornerbacks, right, are Jonathan Joseph and A.J. Bouye, and I think the easy choice is to – oh, wait. Dang it. That's the catch with Kareem Jackson. Even if we sign, re-sign him to play safety for us, he's going to wind up playing a lot of cornerback. I just don't think there's any two ways about it. And that flexibility is great. He's also no longer a cornerback at this point of his career. And so it's like wonder – yeah, he's not a very good cornerback, but he is, might be an elite safety. So you sign him on the hopes that he doesn't play a whole lot of cornerback, knowing that he's probably going to play a lot of cornerback. And again, I think Tyron Matthew is the fourth best safety on this team. I would have no interest in picking his salary up. You know, he had those teaser tweets a couple of weeks ago, and that seemed like that we had re-signed him to a big contract. And maybe we already have. Maybe we're just waiting for the new league year on, which I think March 13th. So it's, you know, 
I, I wouldn't throw a lot of money at Matthew. I would sign Jackson, and I'd go out and do my damnedest to find a quarterback so that Kareem Jackson never plays that position again, Matt. Yeah, and I think like even Jackson, too, you could play him on first and second downs only, you know, and then go two deep safeties after that point and then bring in you know, three three quarterbacks along with it. But, yeah, I think, like, if you could sign him for $8 million a year, have that sort of cap hit, and then play him on first and second down, it'd be 100% worth it or bring him on third down blitz packages. I think you have to put him in a situation where he has to play a lot of coverage. Uh, and so, yeah, I would keep Jackson over Matthew. Yeah, Matthew is worth the – with the investment, he was worth, you know, bringing on one-year deal. I was something that worked out. And I think a lot of people were kind of realizing, you know, so much of it was talk. And, again, one of the funniest – I know I talked about this on a previous show, but it still makes me laugh – was that highlight video from last year where it's 45 seconds of them talking and then, like, 15 seconds of plays. And you're like, oh, yeah, that goes off the receiver's hands. Oh, yeah, that was a tackle for a first down. Oh, yeah, there he is. He's talking again. It's like, that's him, you know? That's him. So, I, yeah, I would love to see Krim Jackson back here for – you know, there are two years playing strong safety. And then having having three really good safeties is a, is a very you know, good thing to have, you know, even though you have a gap on the outside. But I like having Hal, Reed, and Jackson as three different guys who can all do different things. Yeah, and, it, you know, two of those three are super rangy, and Kareem Jackson's really not an embarrassment with his range. He's not, you know, he's not Hal, he's not Reed, but he's not embarrassing either. Yeah, yeah. So the, the next group of free agents we're going to go over, these are just kind of like all of these front seven guys that have just kind of stuck around, and none of them have really done much of anything at all whatsoever, except like occasionally you know, you'll have the Brennan Scarlett 93 PFF game, the Christian <laughs> Covington two and a half sack game. Uh, so this is Angela Blackson, Brandon Dunn, Joel Heath, Brennan Scarlett, Josh Keyes, Brian Pierce, and Christian Covington. Would you keep any of these guys at all whatsoever? I would probably – just to hang around, I would probably sign. They'd have to be pretty team-friendly deals, but I think Scarlett, Peters, and Covington would deserve another shot. Uh, Dunn and Heath are kind of next level, and then Blackson would be after that. But to me, these are these are like the literal definition of replacement player type level guys, and so I wouldn't be tripping over myself. But you know. Brian Peters does a good job on special teams, so he at least has that going for him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I would just spin a wheel on Blackson, Dunn, Heath, or Covington. I think I could see Covington, though, like being like Earl Mitchell, where he just gets like a three-year, $15 million contract. Oh, totally. And like, and like Miami, like, what the hell is going on here? And he never does anything at all. And then he ends up in San Francisco and gets like another three-year, like $20 million contract. You have no idea what's going on. Uh, I can see Covington getting something like that. Like, Covington was, like, good. I think it was 2006. He's like, yeah, he may be pretty good. And then he was terrible in 17, and then he was terrible in 18. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know what to do with them. Yeah, I think, like, if you just picked one of these guys, keep your death, pur- death purposes, uh, you're, um, that's fine with me. Because the other thing I want to bring up, too, with the Texas defensive line is that your run-stopping ability doesn't matter all that much because you have an Archer McGinney. You have uh, – <laughs> Yeah, McGinney, gosh. You have Benarger McKinney. You have Zach Cunningham. You have J.J. Watt. You have Jadavion Clowney. You don't really need any other uh, run stoppers. You have it all right there. So it's more important to really get any sort of interior pressure all whatsoever. And then these guys do so. But like, you need bodies. You need people with heart and some teeth. And so I, I'm fine with either, like, you know, Blackson or Scarlett or – not Scarlett, but I'm, I'm fine with Blackson, Dunn, Heath, or Covington. 
If one of the four stay here, I really don't care. I think one should probably. Right. <laughs> I, I like that argument. Yeah, you got you got those four guys: Cunningham, McKinney, Watt, and, and Clowney. It's like, you know, on running. If you know the runs coming, you can just take everybody else off the field because it's going to be fine with those four. Yeah, and, and DJ Reader as well too, and he's another guy who can't rush the passer at all, but is a very good run defender. Uh, so yeah, you don't need any more run defenders. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Brand Dunn can be like a one technique. Who cares? You don't need that at all. You got <laughs> DJ Reader. Get somebody who can get the get the quarterback at least a little bit. Uh, next guy, Kaimi Fairbairn. Houston was, I think, second in expected points added on special teams. Well, I don't know why I keep doing that. I'm like, I think they were. I'm pretty sure I have this, you know, right here in front of me. They were first in expected points added according to football outsiders on kickoffs at 7.8 points. Kaimi Fairbairn did not miss a field goal less than 40 yards. He missed two extra points. He missed, he missed two field goals all season long. Would you resign him for the 2019 season and beyond? Kimi Fairburn? Yes. Yes, I would. Uh, I would sign him to a decent contract. I think he did great. He did great on kickoffs. Uh, you know, we, we saw a pretty big switch between uh, the new punter, whose name I cannot believe I'm whiffing on, and hey, Fairburn. Hey, 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 Trevor Daniel, don't be scared our heroes. Don't forget our hero. And, and just, legend. So just just think about how much better our special teams were with Fairbairn and Daniel than it was with, you know, kicker of the week and Shane Leckler. I mean, that's been a pretty tremendous upgrade. And so I think kickers, if you look around the league and you look at, you know, teams that struggle because their kickers sucked, and I'm looking at, you know, the Bears. So have a kicker that you can rely on, who's got a big leg, who's hopefully going to get a little bit more accurate as his career goes on. Yes, I would give Bear Baron a decent contract. Yeah, I would give him like $3.75 million a year. He's not going to make the 54-yard field goals, but, you know, that's for glory, boys. That's uh, that's like having a supermodel, you know, for a while. If you don't need that, you see somebody who, you know, loves you for who you are and you get the job done. Yeah. That's all you need. Uh, also, so Trevor Daniel versus Shane Leckler, you want to hear, hear some numbers real fast? Oh, yeah. All right, so on punts last year, Shane Leckler as the, as the punter, negative 10.7 expected points added, 28. The Texans had 49 punt returns, the most in football. They averaged 12.3 yards of punt return. Uh, opponents did the, the highest uh, number in football. But Trevor Daniel, they had 32 returns, the 10th most. They allowed 7.5 yards per punt, return 23rd from 1st to 23rd, and then on expected points added, 4.5 uh, tied for 10, which is, you know, a 14-point swing from Shane Lackler. So, yeah, just having a can of dip, a whole can of dip in your mouth, and just a bagel-sized wad of dip in your mouth, and just smelling yellow bellies and kicking the ball as far as you can. That doesn't make you a good punter. He's cool. I understand you can think Shane Leckler's cool and you like him and, you know, he makes you feel good and all that. He's bad, though. He's bad for the last three seasons. And uh, it's hilarious how, again, it's like you just keep saying the same thing year in, every single year. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. And, and nobody cares at all. Uh, but, yeah, Trevor Daniel was a lot better than Shane Leckler was this season. And, uh, he'll all, I, you know, I, need, I may need to get a Trevor Daniel shirt seat for the <laughs> replacement of Shane Leckler. That would be the ultimate hipster take on it. I'm going to get a Trevor Daniel jersey. I may, I may have to. I am mad that name redacted won't fit on one jersey. 
It would fit if you make it all one word, but if you put a space, it won't fit. Yeah. It sucks. Oh, oh it really man. sucks. I may get a clowning one, though. I don't know. I'm trying to get stronger. I think if I, think if I lifted weights in a clowny shirtsy, I could probably like deadlift, you know, 185 pounds instead of 130 pounds. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. Not even a question. So backup quarterback, Brandon Whedon, Joe Webb, slot receiver, would you keep either of these two guys? Hell no. Alpha Blue, would you keep Alpha Blue? <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather keep my case of the clap than Alfred Blue. That's good. That's good. <laughs> hey, you know that it becomes a friend after a while. Yeah. <laughs> People come and go, but the clap always stays. That's uh, right. Is there anybody else I, I named all these guys? Is there anybody else you'd be interested in keeping in Houston this year? Oh no, uh, no. It's kind of one of those things when you play Madden and when you get to the free agency, you're just like, yeah, I'm an auto sim this portion. Who cares if these 57 overall guys stay or not? I never auto sim. God, I'm sick. Yeah, I just you know whenever it's like the the 13th day of free agency and you have six roster spots, you don't care anymore. And, uh, and it's August, you know, and you, uh, you have to go to YMCA basketball practice. That's when you auto sim. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take, no <laughs> <laughs> take one more break, and we, when we come back, we'll talk about free agency, free agency, free agency. Woo. And we're back. So for the 2019 Houston Texans offseason preview, we will now talk free agents. Um, I don't know if you want to go, like, through needs, I guess we can kind of go through position groups. Uh, you want, let's start offensive tackle. Are there any offensive tackles out there that you like? So I'm going to jump on the Cameron Fleming bandwagon again, just like I did last year. I think he'd be nice. The other guy who I find interesting, but it looks like he's going to get franchise tag at a minimum, is Donovan Smith from Tampa Bay. Uh, he's played some pretty decent ball. He's not the best, but he's played some good ball uh, over the past couple of years. So he's really intriguing to me. You know, Trent Brown, of course, is going to come up, and he's he's really big. He struggles at times. He's really huge. He's like 6'7", 380. That alone, just that freak factor alone, makes me want to just go back up a, you know, dump truck full of money to him, but I don't think I can. Matt? Yeah, I mean, I like Trent Brown New England, but having a big, strong, slow offensive tackle blocking for Tom Brady works because you can't get around him. And if you don't get there in two and a half seconds, the ball's out. Logging for Deshaun Watson, he's going to hold on the ball for four seconds, five seconds. Uh, there's, there's less of that. And also, he just doesn't get to the second level very well. And the Texans, like, it's not even pass blocking issues, but it's killed them over the last, you know, since their last offensive line in 2000, uh, 15, 2015, it's just been their inability to block the second level. And so getting another guy who can't do that, isn't really something I'd be interested in, especially for the, the contract he's going to get to. And also, like, going back to last year, also, uh, if you want to, if you, if you think what I'm saying are lies and slander, look at Nate Solder. I said, don't sign Nate Solder. He's not that good. And there he is, not, you know, being very mediocre for, you know, $14.5 million last year uh, for a cap hit. So uh, I don't, I really like him. And then, like, the tackle group, you know, there's, I think that you have to add competition. Like, and like, I like Cam Fleming. I still like Martinez Rankin play right tackle. Uh, you know, other guys are going to get cut, but it's like, yeah, there's just really a lot here to like. I think the group is is just as bad as it was last year. Uh, you know, they're just, it's just so underwhelming. Like, it, it really is. Like, there's no way I'd, 
There's no, I like to go back and watch like some really hipster offensive tackle video. I'm sure I can find somebody, but as of right now, unless you trade for Jason Peters or something like that, there's really not nothing I really like a lot. And like you mentioned Smith, I haven't watched him enough to have an opinion on him, but everything I read was that he's probably going to stay in Tampa this year anyways. Yeah. And they were talking, I just saw a blurb on it earlier today that if he's not signed to an extension, they're going to franchise tag him. So, I mean, I mentioned him just because he would be a good player for us because he doesn't fit that. He's, he's more of an agile tackle than Trent Brown type guy. Yeah. Yeah. And Kendall Lamb's a free agent. So I know we didn't talk about him because we both want to keep him. You know, I am really, I am super impressed by what Lamb has done. It's like, you know, it's the same thing as like playing Gabbard. Like Gabbard going from an all-time terrible quarterback to a below-average backup quarterback, that's a hell of a career climb to go from that to that. And it's the same thing with Lamb where he went from probably the worst offensive tackle I've ever seen to, like, you're slightly incompetent. Uh, he was one of the worst run-blocking tackles out there, but he was fine. He was good enough in pass protection all the time. Uh, I just don't see how you can keep him either. And, like, you need to add tackle to competition. You need to add, you need to add tackle competition at this position, but there's just, there's not a lot of guys I like here. Hopefully there'll be some more cuts and hopefully they use, you know, a second round pick or a third round pick to address the position too. I'd hopefully they put rank him right tackle and give him like a, a whole training camp at that spot also. Yeah. And if one, one other thing, you know, you kind of touched on it. Is there a, any Texan with one exception who is decent at getting to the second level and that exception being Greg Manks, like everybody else sucks. Yeah. Like Manks is, Kind of like all I could say, Davenport's all right at it. Davenport's better at making one versus one blocks, though. Uh, Martin's, a, you know, he's okay. Yeah, he's kind of slow. Uh, but, yeah, there really is a lot there. And, like, Fulton, it, I was really disappointed by, like, how Fulton went from a Pro Bowl caliber player to, like, an average starter. You know, like, I really, and Mike Devlin needs to go, too. We need to say this again. Yeah, Mike Devlin needs to be fired. Mike, Mike Devlin needs to go. I'm on that yeah. bandwagon. I'll just retweet. I'll just find that post I wrote like two years ago or last year around this time. I'm just send back out there again. Let everybody know who said it first, you know. Got a hipster it. Well, it's not hipster. It's, it's uh, the words, the cementing of words that oh. comes after the fact. Yeah, it's not hipstering it. Well, I thought it was about, you know, you saw the band first kind of thing. That's hipstering. <laughs> No, it's more like just being right and like saying this and I was reading it and not thinking about it. And then two years later, I was like, oh yeah, this was a really, we should do this. And then completely forgetting where it comes from, you know, and why, and why it's there, why it's in your brain to begin with. It's like when I wrote the Rick Smith should be fired article six years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, like Rick Smith is, Rick Smith to me will always be a pop singer who can make like, Four hits on an album, like four bangers, but never a full cohesive album. That'll be Rick Smith, Rick Smith to me forever. Uh, interior rushers. Are there any interior rushers out there you like? I, I stretched a little bit with the list that I put together. So if, if it were my dream world, getting a guy like Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, or Malcolm Brown would be way high up on there. Uh, those are all interior guys. They can all get to the quarterback to some degree. None of them are sack artists or anything like that. But those are the guys who really catch my eye. And depending on how you use them, trade flowers. Yeah, I don't like Brown just because he's not that good of a pass rusher. It'd be like having like a slightly better pass rushing you know, DJ, DJ Raiders sort of guy. Uh, flowers thing is going to be super expensive. He's also kind of older, too. And like, I just don't trust getting anybody from New England as a free agent. 
You know, like New England gets the best out of that player. And what are you going to do to get that same old production? You probably aren't. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like I like Richardson. I like Malik Jackson. He's probably going to get cut by Jacksonville. He's a really great uh, stunner as well, too. And like they, run, they like to run a lot of interior you know, twists and loops and sort of thing. Jackson really excels at that portion of it also. I mentioned Gerald McCoy earlier. He'd be a good fit. Uh, Grady Jarrett's only 25. He's flashed in dominance before. Like, fully being consistent hasn't been there. But at his age and you know, his potential, that would be another guy who'd be worth taking a look at. And, uh, and I just want to say also that I think this is the most important position for the Texans to address in free agency just because of the lack of ability, the lack of players at the cornerback position and how important the pass rush is going to be. And just the fact that, like, why and Clowney were responsible uh, for about 60% of the team's sacks last year and 60% of their quarterback hits. And they didn't get anything at all in the interior. Uh, Merciless had 30 hurries somehow, but I don't remember any of them. And they need to get some interior pressure. And so by going out for AC and getting a guy like, you know, McCoy or Richardson or Malik Jackson, I think will be, you know, enormous for this defense next year. Because, again, there just isn't a lot of cornerback options available. Yeah, I think that's the best way to improve as well. I just, I mean, like I've got Frank Clark sitting here on my list of guys who I'd like to go out and get, but where does he even fit in? Like, I don't even see how he fits on the team. Yeah, Clark Clark is hard to fit. Yeah, Clark would be hard to fit. Uh, I do think if they wanted, if they wanted to, and they should, you know, have Clowney rush more as a four eye, have Watt rush more as a four eye, Watt rush more as a three. They could even go out and get an edge rusher. Uh, you know, I do like Shaq Barrett. He is a speed guy. He was he had a really great 2017. Didn't have that good of a year last year because they knocked him out of the depth chart after they drafted Bradley Chubb. And then in addition to that, uh, Brandon Graham's a free agent. He's going to be 30 years old this year. The Eagles probably don't have the ability to re-sign him unless they did something like trade Jason Peters. But, you know, he's a spectacular player as well, too. He's really great against the run. And then if you move, you know, Bryce inside just one spot and getting him out there on third downs, that'd be another opportunity as well, too, to improve the pass rush as well. Yeah, and the other guy got us an outside linebacker possibility is Preston Smith. He's another speed guy who has – I don't think he's been used to his advantage with the with Washington, so I'd like – he's a guy I'd like to give a shot. He's a fast guy off the edge too. Yeah, and Kerrigan's a free agent also this year, or could be cut uh, to save some money too. And Kerrigan, I think, is like 32, but he's probably – I think Kerrigan's the most underrated pass rusher of his generation. Probably. I think it's Just fair. Because he, you know, he – uh, he's in Washington. They're bad, and nobody likes Washington at all. Not even their fans. Yeah, I. I the one thing I will say about Washington is I really like their uniform colors. Like, I <laughs> love the way they look on the field. Like I love the scarlet and gold. Uh, they've got eighty-five career sacks. Yeah, I think he had twelve again last year. And his biceps, his biceps are enormous. You know. Yeah, kind of like mine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm man. I'm the worst. I'm the weakest biceps in the world. Cornerbacks, uh, any cornerbacks out there you like? Oh God, really? Do we have to talk about the cornerbacks? Yeah, we have to. Uh, we have to talk. We need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> so I'm gonna throw a name out there, and I've, I've brought him up before. But the one only guy, there's one guy who excites me as I look at the available cornerbacks, and it's Jason Barrett. And he's 28. He's coming off a major injury. But he was a heck of a cornerback before he got hurt. And I would, he's somebody who I would probably give a, a more than 
good chance to make the team. Uh, I mean, I'd give him a decent contract to sign him and give him the chance to prove himself. Because when I look at some of the other other names and some of the other guys we're going to talk about, from where they were at their peak, I like Barrett the best. Matt? Yeah. I just haven't – I mean, he just hasn't played in a while. Um, and, I, and, you know, he can, play, he can play zone too. So they're going to play a lot of cover four, that sort of thing. Barrett would be a good fit in Houston. Uh, you know, it's just – I mean, there's just not a lot of guys here. You know, Steven Nelson had a good year in Kansas City last year. He's good when the refs like Kansas State just push and shove the receivers as much as they want, which I like. Like, I like cornerbacks being allowed to be physical. Some such, some referees don't allow it to happen. I mean, he's allowed to be physical, he was good last year. Uh, Justin Coleman was a, a pretty good slot cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks last year. Uh, Morris Claiborne is fine as, like, a fourth cornerback, you know, as some outside cornerback depth. But at the end of the day, it's like, how do you feel about Bradley Roby? How do you feel about, uh, you know, we were talking about this before the show started. What's the guy who sounds just like Bradley Roby who's not Bradley Roby? Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby. Yeah, they're the same. <laughs> it's the same name. It's the same guy. Like, how do you feel about those guys? Because that's kind of what you're looking at at the cornerback position here. And like this year, it's not even like you have Kendall Fuller who you can go out outbid in Chicago. There's not even uh, Trent Johnson out there that you can uh, have majors virus or more so like the Jets already have this year. Even that opportunity really isn't there right now at the cornerback position. It's just a lot of just whatever stuff, you know? It's a lot of storage wars right now at the cornerback spot. I'd love to see who gets released as well, too, to take into account with that position. I think that's just a fantastic way to put it, because that's what it feels like. This feels like – it feels like one of those, like, celebrity apprentice-type shows where it's just you're watching just a bunch of kind of weirdness go at each other with a bunch of – B-list celebrities. Yeah. I've never watched one of those. I was, I think it reminds me of an episode of Storage Wars. You know, they open up the door and it's just like 12, 12 black garbage sacks in there. And you're like, there could be dirty diapers in here. There could be stuffed animals in here. There's <laughs> been wads of cash in here. Like that's all there is, is just eight garbage sacks. And those big hefty bags. And that's all you have available to you. And that's what the quarterback position is right now. Who knows what you can get out of it? And possibly two dead bodies. I mean, that's which also goes for the quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, a bag, a bag of a bag full of heads. So I really have no idea. No, I really have no idea. You, this is like this is definitely one of those positions where, uh, if you know somebody out there on the internet who you trust their opinion on when it comes to evaluating quarterback play and eats all the tape at the buffet. You know, listen to that guy and see what he thinks about Bradley Roby. And that's his opinion I would go with for this group. But as of right now, there just really isn't a whole lot here. Yeah. And you know what's going to be funny is, is I'm going to also throw out Darquise Denard because I've, I've liked what I've seen from him at times. EJ Gaines is another guy. Um, for these guys, because Barrett's not going to get it, but for these guys, Denard, Gaines, Roby, Darby, they're going to get paid. And that's really weird to think about. Or like one, one of them won't get paid, and that's the guy that you want to sign before. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, well, like yeah. That's usually how it works. So there's going to be eight of them. Five will get paid really big, and like three will be like, well, I guess I don't know why. They're all kind of the same player. Why didn't that guy get that contract? And then uh, those are the ones that you want to go after. So that's also a good point to bring into account whenever free agency starts off or the contracts that go out. Like you don't want to give Roby three years, $36 million, you know? You don't want to do that. It's a bad idea. You don't give Darby three years, $36 million. You want to give him like two years, 15. But yet it's inevitable. 
Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. You just want to understand that it's okay to sit in the last seat. You know, it's okay. You don't have to sit in the first seat. You can sit in the last seat. It's all right. Um, the last position I want to talk about here in depth is before we kind of go into some potential free agents, uh, our interior run blockers, or I guess interior offensive linemen, Roger Saffold would be so perfect if Houston sticks with the, offen- with the outside zone. He is such a good outside zone blocker. Like, I I didn't realize how good the Rams' offensive line was, and I watched the postseason film. And, like, Saffold was my favorite player that they had on that line. Like, he's 30. He's a second-round pick from Los Angeles. He wants to stay there. They may keep him. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, I would, I would pay him, like, $12 million a year. Like, he's that good. And then Ramon Foster, he's 33 out of Pittsburgh. He's doing that big, strong, brute, puller, power run, combo blocking, uh, vertical driving sort of uh, uh, offensive lineman. If Houston size a little more power, he'd be a good power uh, inside zone sort of offensive lineman too. So those are two good you know guard options for the left guard position. Because Calamente has a cap hit, uh, $4 million this year. They would save, I think, $2.2 million if they released him. He's fine to keep here as depth. I just think the ability with the cap space they have to improve the left guard position right away I think they have to go for it as well, too, along with interior pass rusher. Yeah, I like the Roger, Roger Saffold thing. Is Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, the only other guard who I, I wrote down was Jeff Allen, and I mostly did that just for the lulls. He was, and you know what? He started <laughs> in an AFC championship game because <laughs> every offensive lineman who comes to Houston's bad. Everyone that leaves gets immediately better. Oh, my God. It's so frustrating. Yeah, he like actually tried to, and that was the thing that I hate about watching Kansas City. He's like running on he's running on the field. Like he didn't run once in Houston. Uh, and he was like, Yeah, it's because they moved me from left guard and right guard. That's why I was bad. And it's because you got paid and you didn't care anymore. Uh, so so that's it kind of for the the unrestricted free agents. I'm gonna name off a bunch of potential free agents real fast. These are guys who could potentially be released based off their the money that the teams would save by releasing them. So I'm going to name a bunch of names. Let me know if you're liking these names. Robert Quinn, Dwayne Allen, Joe Hayden, Marquise Pouncey, Blake Bortles, Malik Jackson, Logan Ryan, Ronald Leary, Chris Harris, Kalecki Ozumeli, Jason Peters, Jordan Reed, Theo Reddick, Jason Pierre-Paul, Gerald McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, Cameron Bray, Michael Brockers, Marcus Peters, and Keats Lee. Do you like any of these guys who could possibly be unrestricted free agents this year? Yeah, and there are a couple of these guys who I would kind of jump on. Um, Malik Jackson clearly is one. Uh, I would, I've been crushing on Hill for years. I mean, anybody who listens to, the show, to this show knows that. I think Chris Harris would be a great guy to have. I think that if, you know, you hope that maybe Aaron Colvin can play the outside and you bring in Harris to play the inside. Uh, Jason Peters, pipe dream, I think. Uh, Michael Brockers. I think would be interesting to bring him in and put him on the inside. I, that might be a, a good matchup there. Marcus he was just, Peters. He was just, yeah, like Brockers was bad last year, so he could be a good like one-year, $4 million option, so maybe. Yeah. But Marcus Peters, hell no. He's too – and not only that, you're going to put him in his own. And he hates tackling. I've never yeah. seen somebody who played defense who hates tackling as much as he does. Deion Sanders. <laughs> Deion, Sa- Deion Sanders really loved to play football except for the whole physical part <laughs> he was too and, cute to tackle 
<laughs> and then Akeem Talib, if this was five years ago, I would say yes. <laughs> but I just I think he's done at this he point. Was, he, but he was really good in the postseason last year. Like He was really good in this previous postseason. And it's like you're probably going to get seven really good weeks from him and then like eight weeks where he doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think the reason he was so good in the postseason is because he missed so much time during the season itself. Yeah, I think, and he had a calf injury too, I believe. So he missed time with the injury. He wasn't just like sitting out. But uh, I don't know. Like if Khalid was cheap, I'd be for that also. Like, but all these cornerbacks here on the list are better than what's available in unrestricted free agency at the moment. Um, also, I like Dwayne Allen as a run blocking tight end. The Texans don't have that. And like he does, he doesn't do it in the past game at all, but he's, he's been a really good run blocker for me in the past few years. Um, if Denver was to release Ronald Leary, they, they have about $2 million in cap space right now. They have $1.6 million in cap space. They would save uh, $7.5 million they released him. He's a really good run blocking guard. He's the only guard I've ever seen handle J.J. Watt. And that was in you know, 2014, but he was still the only guard I've ever seen do that. Uh, I like Cameron Bray, too. The Buccaneers may decide to just focus solely on O.J. Howard. He'd be a good pass-catching tight end. He'd actually create separation and that sort of thing. And, like, I would even be for Blake Bortles being the backup quarterback here just because he has athleticism. And you have to run three separate offenses. You, you, you have to run two separate offenses, you know, if you have compared to bringing in somebody like Brandon Weed and be your backup quarterback. Like I like the idea too of watching you know Blake Boros just stand there and be really tall on the sideline and just kind of smirking and it seems like everybody likes him too. <laughs> and I got a list. That's the only thing that I really focused on. Well, not the only thing I really focused on, but one of the things I super focused on was I hate our backup quarterbacks. I think they're stupid. Like Brandon Whedon should not be anybody's backup, but maybe Tom Brady's, right? So I actually like went through and picked out guys who I'd love to see wearing a bottle ketchup red for the Texans. Robert Griffin III, Tyrod Taylor, Geno Smith, uh, maybe not really. Of course, our favorite, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy, Teddy's too pure to be a backer in Houston. He's yeah, going to start somewhere. He's going to start somewhere. The other guy that I put on the list is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think if we bring him in as a backup, I think he would be more than adequate. He probably he's, thinks he, he can start. He didn't end up starting two games, though, so he can't bring in Fitzpatrick. He's going to start if you sign him. Uh, That's well, I mean, all Fitzpatrick. Like, you're guaranteeing Watson's going to get hurt if you sign Fitzpatrick. He's going to start a couple of games. That's just – you're probably right. <laughs> and I want to bring up one other dude who I saw as a free agent, and I squeed. And it's going to be a weird one. The Anthony Thomas, the wide receiver for the Chiefs. Because he could re- he could return punts and kicks for us. Yeah, yeah, he's super fast. He hasn't done any, really anything there at all, but he's super fast. So, but he can return, and that's that, you know who else is going to return? Tyron Matthew. Uh, maybe. Well, I forgot about how like how good DeAndre Carter was in that Philadelphia game out of nowhere. He can return kicks. He was a pretty good slot receiver. QD can return kicks. So if you're still listening to the show, we have the last little you know, four-minute portion of it cut off. Uh, you missed some really riveting discussion about other free agents we liked for the Texans this year and some cute little things about the fact that the Texans have a lot of draft capital, they have a lot of cap space, they have Deshaun Watson, who's young, on a rookie contract, and now is the time for the Texans to try to go out and win a championship. 
This isn't like a rebuilding team or a team that has a foundation. This is a team that's set to win now and have the opportunity to, you know, make it past the divisional round, the NFL playoffs, uh, and go past where any Texans team has gone before previously. So that's what you missed out on. You'll never hear that portion. But if you do like the show and are still listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And then we will have another show later this week, kind of giving out some overall uh, NFL awards at the LA West Studios. And next week we'll do probably an overall NFL uh, free agency preview as well too. So keep that in mind as you get ready to get on with the rest of your week and uh, want some more Texans news and Battle Red Radio next week. But anyways, my name is Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Battle Red Radio. And uh, again, thank you for listening to Red Radio.